This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. Without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Well, hello there and welcome back to the Behold podcast if you've been listening for a while. And if it's your first time, man, a dear welcome from the VBC crew to this humble little podcast. As you heard in the intro, our goal in this time, however long it may be, is just to talk and discuss and dive into God's word. And as we do that, better understand and behold the person of our Lord Jesus together. My name is Sean, and my boy Dan is here as always. What's up, y'all? And today with us, this is quite a treat, actually. We have at one time known as DJ Chuckleberry Finn. I guess that's me, Charlie. My boy, my boy. My boy. We're, we're doing it. One tall. You're such a tall drink of water. Six foot six. Is that true? I feel like you're taller than that. It's got to be People say, well, I think that once you get over six five, everything kind of gets lumped together. Yeah. Yeah. You want to know something funny? I was, I was uh, saying goodnight to Hazel last night, and she asked me randomly, like, how tall are you, Dad? I was like, oh, I'm, you know, like 5'11", you know? And she's like, wow, that's pretty tall. How tall is Mom? I was like, I think she's like 5'7", five, 5'6", five, somewhere like that. And she was like, what? You're taller than mom? Like she could not <laughs> she could not believe that mom wasn't taller than me. Isn't that weird? That's that's wild. I know. And yeah. I was like, I was like, oh yeah, man, you have to check it out tomorrow morning when you see us together. Like, see, you have to see. But it's just in her brain, because you're a kid, you don't really see. Sure. You know, because you're little, you're down, and yep. you're looking up. But there's just something about her. Well, it's also Emily has a giant personality. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, there's, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it just translates. I think, <laughs> you know. Uh, wow. she's amazing. That's great. She's listening probably now. So hopefully you you you're not you know trying to say anything. You're not trying to start something that you can't finish. I, I feel like I was complimenting her. Okay, good. That in her daughter's eyes, she is greater. Than her father. Hey, and and we well deserved. Husband. I don't know if I well deserved. Right. <laughs> well deserved. No arguments there. Yeah. Uh, and shout out to Emily Gillette because if you've ever enjoyed the fact that we don't do too much lip smacking on this podcast, it's mostly thanks to Emily or so. br- or br- breathing. Uh, you know, like all of the mouth sounds. <sighs> yeah, yeah. The whole the whole she the whole keeps collection. Us, she keeps us on our p's and q's with uh, with all that stuff. So well, speaking of keeping us on our p's and q's, one of you tell listeners where we've been for the last couple of days. We just got back. On Tuesday, from uh, a, a location known as Camp Santa Cruz, Ooh, which sounds near, luxurious. It's 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 great. It's it's a uh, <laughs> it's right near the beach there in Santa Cruz, uh, and we were there as a staff to discuss the uh, the rest of 2022 and to get into 2023 and to talk about how we can continue to grow uh, in in serving and caring for the people of God. So it's it was a Fabulous time. Yeah, it was great. We Shout all- out, shout out real quick. Please. To the Perry family. Oh, yeah. Josh and Megan and their children who prepared food for us every time we needed to eat. And it was absolutely fantastic. And they did it with a smile. They and did. and uh, let you guys know, Josh is a, is a fireman. And so it kind of had that, that fireman feel, you know, to it. I felt like we were in... The, I felt like one of the boys. We were in the station. We, yeah, we were yeah. in the station. We were getting, it was very homey, and and they just they served us so well, and and they were just really fun to hang out with. Um, but yeah, so it was it was great. We we had um, you know just the the majority, vast majority of of the elders and pastors and staff here at BBC just all get get together, and we we don't call it a retreat. 
Um, we call it. There's a, no retreating. There's no retreating. It's it's a collective because we are, um, man, we're just getting in there right into the trenches and we're talking about hard, tough issues, things we need to, to just really, I think one of the goals that we were going for is unity, right? Yep. Having some discussion, reaching some consensus on just some, some, some challenges and, and some, some vision and some steps forward that we want to take as a staff and, and really as a church. And, and so, um, it's a lot of long meetings, a lot of tough talks, you know, some prayer, um, some worship, some just hanging out too, and just building relationships. It was amazing. It was. Yeah. And just, you know, you guys can imagine if you're listening and you don't work in a church setting, it's just complicated. There's a lot of unique challenges to the workplace of, of a full-time ministry, you know, and especially in modern Western Christian society, you know, it's no surprise that when you really dig into those things that so many churches have downfalls because they're trying to walk this unique line of, of we in some ways have to operate as an organization because we just have to do things and we, we're, we're stewards of money that's being given and all these things, you know. But on the other hand, and the, the bigger, more important hand is first and foremost, we're a family of God, you know. We're brothers and sisters serving our king together. And so how you walk those two lines together uh, is something that we're just constantly evaluating at Valley Bible Church. And it's funny because sometimes it feels kind of painstaking a little bit to have to do these processes of evaluating where we're at and are we caring for our people well or, or do we need to do more as employees? Like, what does this look like? But I'm so grateful that we do that process because like we're going to dig into a little bit later um, on this podcast, man, it's just we're all susceptible to sin. We're all susceptible to losing focus sometimes. And so I'm just grateful for some of the just intentional ways that the elders give us those, those platforms and opportunities to kind of hash stuff out, you know? And even though sometimes it goes like, for example, one of the sessions that, that I helped facilitate with Connie, it's supposed to be two hours and turned into four hour long deal, you know? But I'm really grateful for those four hours. I think it was, it was fruitful and life-giving yeah. and unifying. Well, that's, like yeah, you said. That, and, that's, and that's one of the things that I always take away from things like this is that one... If you're familiar with the the leadership here at Valley, you know it is made up of a bunch of very unique characters. You know what I mean? We we have unique opinions. We're a band we have, of misfits. We're a band of misfit toys. Yeah. I'm a Charlie in a box. <laughs> um, and 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 so that comes with unique opinions, uh, unique forms of communication, uh, unique ways that we respond to certain things, uh, and yet you know, what, what happens when we come together and we go through these things and we allow voices to be heard, we allow discussion to take place is I'm always just so, um, encouraged by the fact that we are one in Christ, that mm. there is still for every single one of us, I think I can say with absolute confidence, um, every single one of us want to advance his kingdom. Every single one of us wants to not only serve um, the, the people at Valley, but e- e- especially even the other leaders. You know what I mean? There's just a, a, a service-based uh, heart amongst the leadership here. And I, I do, I, I am so grateful for the elders and the other staff members because, um, yeah, I, th- I think that at the end of the day, we continue to do what God has set forth for us to do. And that's to follow the example of our Savior. Yeah, yeah. And, and one of the things that really resonated with me, Sean, you were just talking about, kind of the unique challenges of we're a household of God, but we're also an organization and that we need to have integrity and professionalism and, you know, equity and work ethic and things like that. The, the conversation, I think where we figured out like where that kind of sweet spot is, where we need to to, to aim for is, is being a team. Right. And 
I mean, I grew up playing team sports and I'm, I'm a big, you know, sports guy. And so that, that really resonated with me. And one of the things, Charlie, to, to, to just to go off of what you said is like, um, we have, we're not perfect. We have a lot of shortcomings and, and a lot of areas for growth on our staff. But one of the things that I think is really a strength of ours is we don't have any guys with like huge egos, you know, walking around trying to throw their weight around or trying to make it about them. Um, we have people that, that genuinely love Jesus, um, that trust in his word, that want um, want to care for and feed and protect and 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 really oversee like this flock in a, in a way that it, that is like Jesus. Yep. And so, yeah, I was just encouraging to be around and, and a good, <clears throat> I don't know, just like a good reminder. Like I like being on this team, you know. Yep. And and I think um, we came away, from, you know, with our time too, with some real action steps of like how we can grow and be a better team. So I I just loved it. Agreed. Thirded. Wow. Wow. Well, I think it, it 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 allows us to kind of look at what we what we talked about last Sunday at the Crossing Campus, um, in in Daniel chapter eight, just with a a, a kind of a cool sense of clarity. You know what I mean? Of, yeah. You know, Nathan shared just about these these earthly beastly kinds of kingdoms, and as has already been established in this series, you know, kingdoms are defined by their king, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, those two ideas are are almost interchangeable. When we talk about a kingdom, we're talking about the king. When we talk about a king, we're talking about their kingdom and, and how things go. And and just that 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 picture of what oppressive, um, arrogant, um, you know, self-centered, lust, self-centered yeah. lustful types of kings look like and what what happens when they're given power versus what our our king looks like. I mean, it's an ugly picture we've seen all throughout Daniel. <laughs> we, we've seen such violence and such uh, just you know, really like disgusting pride and, and just a hunger for conquest and, and to, to really, you know, build your kingdom on the backs of other people and push them down so you can be elevated. And, um, I don't think anybody, you know, who's in their right mind would read that and be like, yeah, like I want to be a part of that kingdom. You know, as we've gone through the, the book of Daniel, like it's a, it's, it's a very stark picture that's painted. Yep. Well, and, I, and, and unfortunately, I think there are a lot of people that want to be a part of those kingdoms if it means it's going to benefit themselves, right? Because right. it's that selfishness, that self-centered thing that it appeals to. And yeah, when we get into some of these prophecies that that talk about kingdoms to come, um, that that may have now already come, uh, and also the kingdoms that will, will come down the road that haven't yet, um, there is a pattern at play. And, and you can identify the quality of a king or the character of a king by what they do, right? And, and man, I, I just was encouraged by Nathan's study and kind of the, the direction that he took us because, again, we have King Jesus, and he is so different from every other beastly kingdom that has arisen on earth, right? He's, yeah. he's so radically different that it's not about, um, you know, you know um, um, ruining people and, and building on the backs of people. He is a servant king, right? And, and that is what informs us, not only how do we lead here as a church, um, but how do we respond uh, to those, those kingdoms that do come up, those government systems that we are living in the midst of that are more identified by this kind of beastly characterization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's kind of twofold, right? Because on one hand, the reality of us having Christ as our king, our triumphant king, that is greater than any ruler, it, it gives us a lot of benefits, you know, obviously. 
But some of those things are as you endure today's beastly leaders, maybe it's your boss, maybe it's a politician you're worried about or whatever that looks like for you. You know, the tremendous blessings from, from having Jesus are so uh, tangible and, and give you things like hope and endurance and steadfastness and peace, you know, and an ability to, to remove yourself from some of these worldly just arguments and debates and conflicts that are going on. That's one side of it, which is an amazing reality that we get to live in now with Jesus. But the other thing is that, that we know, we talk about on this podcast, like our namesake of this, this podcast, that as we follow that King and as we look to him and as we treasure who he is, we're going to become more and more like him. And, yep. and, and almost every single one of us in some form or another have a relationship in our lives where we are leading someone else. But most, most people's lives yeah. are, are like that. And so we have every single one of us an opportunity to develop into a more Christ-like leader into, into modeling his kingship and how he leads in the same way in our lives. And just while you're talking, Charlie, I was reminded that, man, it's such a stark contrast, right? between Jesus and, and the world. And I'm just thinking about authorities in my life who I think have not modeled that well, you know, who have mm-hmm. hurt Can you me. give us names, please? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, tell us where they live. I would love to see their address. Yeah, they're long gone. Um, okay. You know, it's it, as I think about that, one of the <laughs> biggest markers for what defines them as opposed to what defines Jesus is humility. You know, it's, it's a simple air and countenance of humility. And I think that starts so small, but for all of us, that can so quickly completely transform our perspective when it comes to our roles as leaders. You know, just a quick little side story from our, our retreat, or sorry, our collective, not retreat. Yeah, you can get it right. One of our sessions was aimed at just as leaders and as part of the team, like Dan was talking about, you know, we want to aim and strive for walking in love and walking in grace with one another and part of that means that we are exhorters of one another. We're encouragers. You know, we, we don't hold grudges and keep keep long lists of, of people who have hurt us. You know, we want to walk in love. And this issue of forgiveness came up. You know, we're talking about what does forgiveness look like? You know, how do you how do you really forgive someone uh, and, and and come to God with those things? And kind of this question came up of like, well, well, sometimes that's harder than it sounds, right? Sometimes forgiveness is not just a simple, all right, I forgive you, we're good at least in your heart, it, it doesn't operate that way. And we talked about this with Connie a, a few weeks ago, but for me, I was thinking about that as we we're listening and it became really clear to me just thinking about my own relationships and the types of relationships that it's been easy or hard for me to forgive someone in. And I noticed that for myself, at least, and I think for most of us, this is probably true. The types of relationships that are just so easy for me to forgive them and extend grace to are the ones where I'm humble. It's the ones where I'm considering myself a servant to that person. It's like, I am here to serve you. So of course I'm going to forgive you, you know? And then on the flip side, the relationships that I I have historically had a hard time forgiving someone, eventually God is kind to reveal that in my heart, that no, I am prideful. I'm considering this something for me versus an opportunity to serve them. And so again, it comes back to humility. And I think when we take that exact situation and transfer it into the idea of leadership, not necessarily just forgiveness, but all aspects of leadership, man, it's the same exact thing. Do you consider yourself someone, even if you're someone's boss, do you consider yourself their, their servant? And we talk about following Jesus as his ambassadors in this world. We are all servants to all people, right? Yep. Well, and I think, I mean, you, just as you're talking, you basically taught through uh, Philippians two, right there, the, mm. the, the first 15 or so verses, because w- what is it that Paul instructs us, you know, inspired by God, Paul tells us, you know, um, consider others as more significant than yourself. 
um, uh, look out for the interests of others and not just your own. He says that your attitude should be that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. He took on the nature of a servant. He was made in human likeness. He was found in appearance as man, and he humbled himself mm-hmm. even to the point of death on a cross, right? Like it's monumental what King Jesus, how he rules. You know what I mean? Mm. It is through self-giving that he rules. Yeah. And that's that's the kingdom that I want to be a part of. That's the example I want to follow. And I think that when we understand that, when that gets down to the core of, of who we are, um, what's going to flow out is is that same kind of attitude. We're, will we do it perfectly? No. Um, but but as we grow in beholding Jesus and looking to him as that example, and we recognize that we have a king who does not lead through oppression, who does not lead mm-hmm. through selfishness or any of those kinds of things, but he leads through self-giving, um, it becomes easy to forgive. Mm. It becomes easy to lay my life down for people. It becomes easy to endure the long nights or the difficulties or the trials or the hard people or whatever it might be because I recognize that I'm not doing this on my own strength or power. I'm doing it because I've been enabled by my king to, to live that way. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's it, it's one of the, the pillars of, or, or the it's a core identifier of this kingdom that we're talking about, right? And there's so many things like this in God's kingdom where it's just different. It's upside down. It's backwards than what the world is, right? It's like the, it's the opposite of what you expect. Yep. You know, and I was just reading in Matthew 23, when Jesus is, is doing his, he's saying woe to all the Pharisees and scribes and all the religious leaders of that time. And he's just, he's opened up a can of whoop butt on them, you know, and he's just, he's pointing out how, man, like your, your leadership style, your way of, of, of trying to attain righteousness and holiness and, it, it, it is, it's just like the world. It's just yep. like all these beastly things. It's based on arrogant pride. It's based on pushing others down so you can look better. It's based on your own desire and lust for, for power and recognition and glory. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he, you know, and Jesus, this echoes a lot of other places where Jesus says this, but in, in verse 11, it's very simply says, this is opposite than what you, you expect. You know, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And, and the more we can embrace that backwards kind of thinking, you know, from the world, it's, it seems upside down, but actually it's, it's really right side up. It's, it's really, if we're first and foremost thinking of ourselves as citizens of, of Jesus's kingdom, then we're going to reflect, like you said, Charlie, the values of our King. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of times, I don't know about you guys, but the times when I, when I start to drift towards pride, it's just, uh, it's when I'm, I'm too zoomed in, I'm too like tunnel vision on, on whatever the issue is, whether it's a relationship or it's my own, you know, um, abilities or, or just my own desires, the things that I want it. And I need to just zoom out a little bit and just see, oh, like I'm, I'm part of this other kingdom, yep. you know? It's, it's not, it's not about me. Yeah. And, well, and that can be difficult sometimes in different roles that we find ourselves in, right? right? Because especially if it's roles that require responsibility, you know, we, we recognize that, you know, we have to make decisions. We have to do those kinds of things. Um, but, but again, at the end of the day, that, that baseline of humility is what I want to be marked mm-hmm. by. 
And that means I'm going to listen. That means I'm going to slow down. That means I'm going to make sure that those that are, that are with me are with me, you know what I mean, in that process, instead of just saying, I know I'm doing it, I'm doing it my way, you know what I mean? Um, and, and again, it, it flies in such stark contrast with the way the world operates and how the world sees value and those kinds of things. We want self-starters, self-made, all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, but again, that's, that's, that's not how Jesus did it. Well, and it's, and it's delusional. I think when we really think about, even if, even if you just think about it from like a, um, you know, you don't even think about it from a Jesus and his kingdom kind of perspective. Like, let's just say you're just looking at the universe and the world and just like the, the, our planet, you know, is, is this tiny little dot yep. in the vast expanse of the universe. And we're just a little tiny speck on that dot. And scripture talks about this, like all the time, yep. m- men are like grass in yep. the field. They, they grow up one day and then the next day they're dead and the place doesn't even remember it anymore. Yeah. What is man? Well, yeah, exactly. Would, yeah. We're, we're a mist. Our life is a mist, right? Yeah. So to make ourselves, to put ourselves at the center of our universe, which really that's what arrogance is. It's, it's saying I'm the most important thing. Everything should revolve around me. Um, the world should bend to my whim, <laughs> you know, that, that is delusional. <laughs> when we go back to go back to Genesis, right? Like, what is man's sin in that moment? I, I think I know better than God. Yeah, yeah I'm going to yeah. trust something other than God, right? Yeah. And 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 my ideas or this idea that's been whispered to me, uh, because it's appealing and it means it's it's it seems like it will benefit me. It means I can ignore the commandments and, and precepts and laws and yeah. direction of the kid. Yeah, it's almost like pride is like ground zero for sin. Amen. Yeah. Yep. So so it's. It's something that is so sneaky and we just, we really have to be on guard against. And I think Daniel speaks, the whole book of Daniel really hits that hard. Yep. Well, yeah, on so many levels, right? Yes. In these visions, when you see these beastly kingdoms that are, that are, you know, again, marked by this arrogance and this pride, but then even just in the, um, I don't know, the juxtaposition of, of Daniel versus these Kings that he isn't coming mm-hmm. in contact with, yeah. right? Yeah. Daniel lives completely humbly. And that's, and that's goes back to what you were talking about earlier of just living with that attitude. We have legitimately been freed up to not be concerned about ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have a God who's concerned about us yeah, and he's going to take care of us. That's good. And if we get that in our head, uh, that, that it's not about me. I don't have to look out for myself because I've got a God who's looking out for me. That is where we then have this capability to live like Jesus lived, to, to lay our lives down, to be servant, servants in this world. Hmm. No, it's so true. And, and I think the thing is, this is such a sneaky tactic of the enemy in that I think if you told this to somebody, like they're, I mean, whatever, a, a boss at their company, and they feel like they're killing it in the terms of leading with equity and humility and all that kind of stuff. And you walked in and you're like, hey, don't be an arrogant, oppressive, prideful ruler trying to get everything for yourself. You know, they might be like, yeah, totally, I agree. Duh. But Satan's so much more deceitful than that. And oftentimes these things start just such a subtle shift of attention and heart, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think it's so important that you're diligent in doing that process of beholding Jesus and, and diving into his word and inviting the Holy Spirit to mm-hmm. in, evaluate your heart because it is so sneaky and so subtle. And something that can be originally a godly desire and a godly intent 
Satan can shift that when you keep, when you take your eyes away from the heavenly things and away from God. And even you just confuse you, your heart Mm -hmm. might think you're in the right, but all of a sudden, before you know it, you are absolutely disgracing the name of Jesus and whatever you're doing. And I'll just give you a quick example from our ministries, or at least my ministry, that something I have to be mindful of and intentional about with my team on the worship team is it is super easy, especially I think in that ministry, because people are using their gifts to kind of serve this greater purpose in that ministry. It's a super easy temptation to begin viewing people in our team as they exist to serve me right now. They're a cog in the machine. No, su- totally. It's it's super easy. I don't know if you ever felt this way, but it's super easy to view people as resources, as slot fillers on the band, and as, oh, well, it's great that they have a heart for worship, but as long as it subscribes to what I want it to sound like and mm-hmm. look like and the needs that I have right now in the band, then I'll use them, you know? And if I don't, then I'm okay not using those gifts or, or not hearing their opinions or whatever it is. And that's really, really dangerous, mm. you know? And and I've noticed, at least in myself in that role, when exact thing I said before, that those are always the moments where I'm not viewing myself as a servant to that person, which is so so convicting to me because we are servant leaders, not just as ministry leaders, but as followers of Christ, right? And man, when I, when I shift again and view myself as a servant leader to everyone in those ministries, it totally transforms everything. Like, man, I, I would love to do whatever it is, help you set up your guitar for this thing, you know, or print this music for you, special for you, or whatever it is that I can accommodate because I will bend over backwards to serve you because that's the flock that God has put in front of me, you know? And I think that if we have that same mindset and we're diligent to maintain that in your workplace, in your friendships, in your school setting, whatever it is, man, people see that. Like yeah. you were just talking about how that's so backwards, mm-hmm. you know? Well, it's really the world is the backwards thing. Right. But regardless, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about people noticing the difference, about smelling the aroma of Christ upon your life, about seeing you be a light in the contrast to what the world is doing. And again, when you are beholding God constantly, it's an easy process. It's the natural response to you welcoming God into your heart, right? Well, I love that you brought that up because I think the, the body of Christ... And the different, you know, people and ministries and groups that we're involved with, it's an opportunity for us to hone our skills and practice being servants mm-hmm. because it is, it, it's discipline, it's skill, it's, it's a, a choosing that we have to do that we have to walk in. And it's really meant to be the, the our, our calling card to, to the world so that when we, when we're out of these contexts of the body of Christ, we're, we're in our workplaces, we're. We're, you know, just out in the community at, at events or, or mm-hmm. in, the, in the markets or wherever, we're like, we're representing Christ. Like you said, we're being the aroma of Christ. Don't you think we like practice it here mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. we can go live it out there? And, and I really felt like that's what Nate was, was, was encouraging us to think about as he was wrapping up. And maybe we can kind of shift gears and just think, let's kind of, let, let's say, okay, we, we're working on developing this kind of heart, this kind of attitude, this type of humility in the context of, of our, our household. But now we're going out into the world and, and how do we navigate in a system that is beastly, that, that in, in a kingdom or kingdoms that are counter to God's way, counter to the Jesus way. And, and I don't know, like it's, it's, I'm just looking at what, what Nate wrote here. It's like, it sounds tough, man. Cause it's like, Okay, we 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 got to respect the human authority, right? While while making sure that we're serving the ultimate authority, like where our allegiance actually is, right? But we got also got to refuse 
uh, to treat those adversaries that are coming against Jesus's way with hostility or contempt. We have to reject the beastly modes of power and we have to endure suffering uh, as we respond to, to, to God's love in Christ. I mean, that's a tall order. <laughs> yeah. How do we do it? How do we do it, guys? Let's get into it. Well, yeah. And I, I mean, I think that Sean already answered to some degree in the simplest of terms, right? Yeah. It's, it's we behold Jesus. Right. We got, we've got to understand what it means that he's our king and that he's our example and that he has given us the very spirit of his life mm-hmm. to, to give us the ability to be able to live that kind of way. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but it is, it's one of those things I think, again, in a culture that's so contrary, especially in its messaging as to what we should look like, right. you know what I mean? And, and it is, it is so self-seeking and so self-focused, mm. you know? And so I think that, it, I think that's, that's a big thing is just, it, it starts with recognizing who Jesus is and recognizing the deception that right. we are facing every day. But I think one of the challenges too, like, and, and it is, it is so simple, but I think we also need like. We need to see it a of little course, bit, yep, you know, and yep. we need to, we need to get into the nitty gritty a little yep. bit too, like because even you can look at Jesus's life and you're like, wow, he sometimes like like a like a sheep before it's it, it's you know like a sheep going to slaughter, like he was just silent, you know, yep. um, and and standing standing on trial, like you know he he spoke, but it, it he wasn't trying to defend his cause, you know, yep. but then you also have these these accounts where he he's like bringing the thunder, you know, like he's, he's, he's verbally like, you know, undressing these people or he's coming in and whipping people around or throwing well, around. To, it is important you know what to I'm recognize saying? Like, who is it that he's whipping around? Yeah. Is it the Roman guards? Is it Pilate? No, it's mm. not. It's, it's these religious authorities that are, that are using his name, even though they might mm. not understand that it's his yeah, name, yeah. um, in order to, uh, manipulate and, and oppress his people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean, I mean, again, of course, like I loved, I loved Nate's like uh, little encouragement a few weeks back of the WWPJ, what would please Jesus? Yeah. Not what would P- Jesus do, but what would please him? Yeah. And I've, I've ad- adopted that in so many different areas in conversation that I have with people and in, in encouraging folks who may have a propensity to, you know, just get angry, frustrated and post mm-hmm. about it online. Mm-hmm. Like I think about that, would Jesus, would that please Jesus? You know what I mean? Like what we're posting. You know what I mean? Would that please mm-hmm. Jesus the way we're talking about certain authorities and leaders? Yeah. Would that please Jesus? You know, all, all that kind of stuff. Um, it, so do you think we should just not even wade in those waters at all? Because you said something earlier, Sean, like just about, um, hey, if we have this mentality, if we if we have this mindset, then it saves us from getting caught up in like those affairs, you know? Is there a way to engage, you know, with those issues, with those kingdoms, with those beastly leaders? You know, like, let's just like, even if it's in a workplace, right? Like you said, right. We've got, we've got this super oppressive, obnoxious, you know, arrogant boss. And, and how do we, how do we engage? You know, do we just keep our mouth shut and just take it? Or I don't know, like, what do you guys think? Is there a way to get in there, but also do it in a way that pleases Jesus? hundred percent. And I think the difficulty here is that this is going to look different for every relationship we're talking about. However, at the root of them, it's going to look exactly the same, which is we want to be like Jesus in these settings, right? And so it might require some some thought and a little bit of intentionality on your end to really pray through what that looks like. You know, and Nate kind of led through these four uh, ending go-tos for some some ways we can do this process yeah. of, of, of following Jesus in a beast-led world, you know? Hmm. 
And I would, I'm not going to marry exactly to these, but the first one of those is respecting human authority while serving the real authority. And to me, that prompts just the, the, the discussion about faithfulness, you know, and respect. And this is something we talked about a lot on our uh, collective, you know, is just this question of in the workplace setting, uh, or maybe this is a school setting for you. I know we keep talking about those specific arenas and this issue of, of beastly versus kingly leadership could be a million other scenarios, you know, but I think for most people, it's pretty relatable, what your workplace is like, what your school situation is like, your friends, and that kind of stuff. So anyways, in our workplace, we're talking about this question of faithfulness, you know, and again, it's kind of that weird line for us of like, we're a family, but we still have rules because we're a work, workplace, you know, and at the end of the day, it's like, man, you need to respect authorities while you're following Jesus. And what does that look like in your life? I don't know. For us, what we talked about, one of the things we talked about is the idea of faithfulness with time. You know, like if, if I'm going to tell you, hey, I'll be somewhere at 10, I need to be there at 10. And not doing that reflects unfaithfulness in that way. And the, the thing is that- I for, was 10 minutes late for the podcast today. Is that a shot across the bow there? Oh boy. Well, you you, you owned up to it. <laughs> we'll talk about it after the podcast. <laughs> Brent, Brent, Brent will have some words later. But th- the point is, I might not feel like, Dan, you were 10 minutes late today. You, I'm sure, had things that made you late. It's not like you were just sitting on your couch wondering when you felt like going to work. I'm sure something happened. It's a great point. The point is, you were late. And on your end, you might feel like I have a reason for being late. You know, you might not feel like I am trying to maliciously harm Charlie and Sean right now by disrespecting their time. I'm sure you didn't go through that thought process, right? But we <laughs> never know what that looks like in our workplace, how someone else is going to receive that. At the end of the day, I love your question of in, in the question or in the context of time faithfulness or following your workplace rules, faithfulness, or whatever it looks like, would this please Jesus or not? You know, and if someone looks at our lives, if you're late all the time, is that going to please Jesus? Is that going to make them say, wow, someone who follows Christ, I like the way they do that here. Mm. You know, I like the type of coworker they are as someone who follows Christ. Is it a yes or no for the way you are behaving in your workplace, in your relationships, you know? And so it's hard because I would love for it to be an easy like formula of like, do these 10 things in your workplace and you'll convert the whole place, you know? But the reality is, no, it's more nuanced than that. And you have to continue turning back to, each one of these matters, uh, would this please Jesus? And on the flip side, Dan, you mentioned this, like if your boss is berating you and, and disrespecting you and harming you emotionally or physically or whatever that looks like, then do you just sit there and take it forever? Of course not. That's not, that's not honorable and just, that's not what God calls us to do, but that's not a yes or no thing either. You have to pray through that. You have to invite the Holy spirit to lead you in that decision-making process of how do I best reflect Jesus in this, this, or this situation. Which I think is, I mean, that's again, just going back to like the beauty of Daniel as a whole, right? The the book as a whole is even though we're in this section where we're looking at future events, we're looking at these, these visions and all this kind of stuff. I mean, Daniel gives us a, a cool model of that. Obviously, the, the situation's different, and, and there's a lot of things governmentally that he experienced that we don't, and I'm grateful for that. But you know, he, he is serving under beastly kings. Mm. What does he do? He continues to hold out his, the truth of who his God is. He continues to stand firm, but he also walks with such an ethic and a diligence in the, in the work that he has before him that these various kings can't help but say, this guy's incredible. He becomes one of the most trusted advisors to two of them. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm, yeah. there's just, there's such a, a, a cool picture of that. Uh, and, and I think, again, it's a humility issue for Daniel, not, not before Nebuchadnezzar necessarily, but before his God that allows him 
to serve the way he did. Man, I'm so glad you mentioned that because it reminds me of another thing modeled by Daniel is just this whole idea of being above approach, you know, of in all areas of your life, yep. giving people no ammunition against the name of Jesus. And you look at Daniel and it's like, man, if there was anything like that, you would see it. People were, were plotting how to take him down. Powerful people in government were, were literally creating laws just to take down Daniel, you know, like mm. they would do anything they could to take him out. And, and for a lot of us, if that exact situation was happening to us and we had, you know, politicians trying to take down Charlie Ming, they would probably find something in your life as ammunition against the name of Jesus. Right. And the same for me and the same for you and whoever's listening, like Daniel models so well. And really it's, it's ultimately the model of Jesus we're looking yep, to yep. of what perfect uh, lack of, of ammunition against the kingdom looks like, you know, and will we ever be perfect? Of course not. However, I think that intentionality can really go a long way. This is tough. This is tough stuff, but but it's it's so clear when you look at Jesus's life and when you look at the instruction that we have in the New Testament. It and I think sometimes, you know, there's there's obviously conversation to to make, right? Because whatever authority we're talking about, whether it's a government or local uh, law enforcement or you know, let's say it's your mom and dad or your employers or whatever, like Scripture is very clear. We are to to honor and and submit to authority as we're honoring and submitting to God because there is no authority that is established that is is outside of his control and and even beastly leaders can be used by God for his purposes. Yep. You know, and and obviously this is something that takes a lot of wisdom and prayer and understanding of of God's law and his and his word because if there's ever a, a, a push comes to shove, if there's ever a, a question of allegiance to a human authority versus God as our ultimate authority, well, then ultimately we're going to be, you know, our allegiance is going to be to, to, to God, to yep. Jesus and his kingdom. And and we've referenced this a lot, but First Peter chapter 2, I think, is so good. Verse 13, it starts, it says, this is hard, this is tough, but listen to this. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Why? This is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God, mm. honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And then, you know, later he says, let's look to Christ who did this. I mean, he suffered perfectly at the hands of beastly men, but he did not revile when, when he was, when he was insulted, he did not repay evil for evil. Like he just kept entrusting himself to, to God. You right. know? And, and, and it's, and it was for the joy set before him. And yeah, I think that's yeah. an important piece for us to zero in on. And it's something I think we'll talk about this coming Sunday at the crossing. Um, but is that that issue of hope, right? That that we have a God who's faithful, a God who has given us commands, but He's also a God who has given us promises that we have something to look forward to, mm. right? Well, He ju He judges justly. Yeah, He entrusted Himself to the one who judges justly. Right now, this is one of the hardest things for me. Is like when I'm being uh, berated or reviled or insulted or accused of something, and I know it's not just. I know it's not fair. It's not what's actually right. And I, you know, the fight or flight thing, I, I'm usually a fighter, <laughs> you know, like I'll just bam, get back in there and, and plead my case. But 
to have that perspective of saying like, one day God's going to make everything right. And if I really am justified in this position and I'm actually on the wrong side of this thing, God's going to make it right eventually. And I just need to trust that, you know? And I think really that can carry us through when we're being oppressed or um, unjustly treated it's not going to last forever, it's and God is going to vindicate. He's going to make it right. He is yeah. the one yeah. who takes care of it, which which then gives us that freedom in that moment to again expose the ignorance of the one who may be acting unjustly. Right? Yeah. We be, by saying, okay, yeah, you know we'll kill him with kindness. Yeah. We'll, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That there's, and we don't want to kill them, but no, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yeah, it's it's that, and and again, like that they would walk away from it either more frustrated because they couldn't they couldn't manipulate us or they couldn't rile you know, us up or rile us up yeah. or they walk away in awe of the capability we have yeah because we follow a king who's shown us and has empowered us to do so um of what it looks like to to walk in humility man i'm so glad that this topic came up because this is another thing besides the topic of faithfulness earlier that I think is like an immediate red flag for people's hearts when they're, when they're evaluating someone else, you know, whether we're talking about Christians or not. But I think in our lens of does this glorify Jesus or not is the issue of anger, you know, our temper. And I'm the same way, like my, I think most people are, is if you feel wronged, your fleshy reaction is to correct the wrong, you know? And few things that will make me as initially angry as when someone accuses me of something that's not true. I just, I, that, that's one of my pet peeves, obviously. Um, but, that's a very worldly thing. That's how the world handles things is, is they go at each other, you know, and it becomes a chest puffing contest of no, no, no. And going back and forth. And people, we are expected to respond that way. The world expects us to respond to unjust things with anger, you know, because that's how they do it. And that, that, that piece of being able to just entrusted to God is so just re- revealing of where our hearts are at. You know, and this reminds me of, I was looking this up in, in Proverbs 14, just a simple proverb, but I think it's actually kind of profound is whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, hmm. but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. You know, or in other words, he who has a fat, has a short temper, he is lifting up foolishness and fickleness to those around him, yep. you know, and, and I, that's a little bit convicting for me to read is, man, it's easy for me to talk about it here in our workplace because it's a church setting, but I've worked other places before this. And I think many, many times my quick temper lifted up foolishness and folly to the people around me instead of giving glory to the giver of peace, the giver of, of it makes calmness. things worse. It makes things worse. hundred percent. It makes things worse. And, and it doesn't glorify Jesus. And, yeah. I, and, and, and just so we're clear too, cause, cause I don't know, I, I think we understand this, but there are times to be angry. Like, sure. I, I feel like when, when Daniel confronted Belshazzar for his mockery of God by using mm. those, those vessels yeah. and, and, and interpreting the writing on the wall, there was anger in that. You know what I mean? I, I read it that way. Yeah. Um, Jesus, there was anger in Jesus. Like he did things. Yeah. You know what I mean? But what what separates righteous anger is is that is that we're not we're not it's not our knee jerk, right? Yeah. In any any moment, it's like oh, or, because it or, or, about or we're me. making it about ourselves. Yeah. yeah. That's yep. the thing. Like if I'm yeah. if I'm angry because something unjust is happening to someone else then that that's probably a good indication you know now obviously it can it can take a real quick turn 
anger it, can it start can out, about us yeah, real quick. Yeah, anger yep. can start out righteous and about and about protecting somebody else or standing up for what's right. But then all of a sudden it can it can take a turn or or we can we can even start out with righteous anger, but then we can sin in our anger, right? Yeah. And and we just have to stay that's where I think the the strength of the spirit comes in and just checking checking our, you know, not not just you know flying off the handle and just acting, but but asking God for wisdom in in, in responding, and the thing that 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 First Peter passage says, you know, end of chapter two, it, it says like not only did it's not that okay, you know, Jesus was when he was reviled, he did not he did not repay that, you know, when 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 Jesus suffered, he didn't threaten, you know, he but he continued entrusting himself. So it's not even just the issue or, or, or the, the, the pain or, or the, the grief that Jesus was feeling. He said, my whole self, I'm going to entrust to the one who judges justly. You know, like I'm going to, I'm just going to realize that I'm basically placing myself in his hands, in the hands of, of my father, who's going to make all things right. And, I think there's something, there's a lot of freedom in that. I mean, to, to, that's what Peter was talking about even before that, right? Like, hey, we have freedom, but but this is how you're supposed to use that freedom in a certain way. Yep. And it goes to, sorry, it goes to to Nathan's last point, right? That we, we uh, despite the beastly opposition that we may encounter, we follow our servant king by enduring unjust suffering to benefit others as we respond to God's love in Christ, right? Yeah. And it's, it's just that whole thing, like... There is beauty in getting to suffer unjustly because our Savior suffered unjustly. Mm. And when we get to walk in that, we get to reveal to a world that is far from God what our God looks like. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I'm just thinking about, well, A, just to respond to that, amen to that. And this reminds me of, which is one of like the core verses in my heart lately is First Peter 4, like 12 through 18 or so. And it's exactly that topic of suffering for Christ. And it's just that interesting. I just, I, the reason I like that passage a lot in, in that, in that letter is because just the wording of it, it's kind of like a slap in the face to me, you know, cause it's worded as don't, don't be surprised when the fiery trials come for you as if something strange has happened. Hmm. And it, it makes me just feel the emotion I get from that is like, well, duh, you dumb, dumb, I told you it's coming. And then immediately, immediately following that, you know, it says, but instead rejoice and yeah. exactly what you just said. Why can you rejoice? Because you can rejoice because insofar you are sharing in the glorifying of Jesus. Yep. And that's that critical piece that totally transforms that experience. The same exact interaction you have with your boss or spouse or friend or whatever it is can come completely different effects in your heart depending on your lens. And if your lens is, I'm going to take this for the glory of Jesus and for the benefit of others, man, you can be there all day. And it's, and it's a life-giving thing for her or it can be even as you're enduring. If your lens is, oh man, I'm being wronged and this is unjust and that's the only thing you're thinking about, then of course it is a miserable experience and probably not going to be glorifying to Jesus in the end in, in the way that you respond to that. Well, yeah, and it, there's almost like different different levels that that Christ is calling us to even, right? It's like, man, we see we see in, in, in 1 Peter 20, like an, an enduring of, of unjust suffering. And then like later on, he's like, well, actually just, full on rejoice in it, <laughs> you know? And I was just reading right now in Philippians three, like Paul is basically like praying for it. He's like, he's, he's basically saying that I may know him, the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, 
that by any means possible, I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Like there's this, there's this longing. He's like, I want to, I want to please Christ so much with my life that I want to be united with him in his suffering and his death, you know, knowing that if I am, that means that I'm also united with him in his, in his life and not just in the life to come, but, but living a quality of, of resurrection life here and now. And man, that is like, how many, how many times we ever pray that? Like, you know, how many times we ever have that attitude where it's like, bring it on. Like, cause I know what, that you're going to superintend it in the right way, the right amount, the right length, the right timing, the right ways. You're going to bring suffering in. You're going to allow suffering to come in God, the one who judges justly. You're going to do it in a way that is going to help me get where you want me to be. And I'm, I'm saying, bring it on. I mean, that, Oh, and I and I think we want to be careful too. Like we shouldn't have like the masochistic yeah, attitude yeah, yeah, about for like, sure, for God, sure. I want to suffer. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And in the context, you know, Paul's sitting in a in a prison, right? And right. he is he is very aware that this could be the end. Like right. it, it is an intense. It's not it's not house arrest here. This is this is a a heavy moment. Um, but like you said, that that doesn't change what you said. What, you, right. You're so right in that that it's not an attitude of like God make me suffer, God make me suffer. I'm going to yeah. whip my own back so that I suffer. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? We don't I'm not going to do that. Yeah. But I am aware that when that suffering comes, I can have that attitude of let's go. Yeah, let's go. Bring Scared it up. Yeah. 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 A- amen. You know, I think as we're processing that too, like just that heart that welcomes the trial, doesn't seek it but welcomes it, is. Even just saying that, I think people can wrap their minds around that. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I, I can I can understand conceivably how God can use a trial to develop my heart and to glorify himself in the lives around me. But for some reason, and I think it's just our fleshly reaction to things and Satan's deception. We don't always go to that mode of response when it's like, oh, this coworker attacked my character. You yeah, know? yeah, and that's the reality. Is it could very well be in your life that God is going to use a person near to you, hurting you as that trial. You know, and for whatever reason, that seems so much more um, of an attack on our spirit than something like losing my home or or being diagnosed with cancer. Those yeah. types of things, the traditional types of trials we think about. You're talking about like the everyday kind of like kind of like beat down kind of effects of of this beastly kingdoms that we're living under hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, and I think it's something to think about something to mm-hmm. pray through of just, are there things even in your own life in the last week? Yeah. You know, was there something that happened that prompted a certain response to you that looking back, wow, maybe God wanted to use that moment for his glory and for that person's benefit. I could have loved them and I dropped the ball. Yeah. And for mm-hmm. your, or for your own development, for your, your own growth. spiritual muscle, you know, 100%. and I think like the key to, maybe doing this is like, I mean, that's why it's so great that we're talking about it, you know, on Sunday and on the podcast today is because it helps us prepare for it. Because in the moment, if you, if, if that's when you choose to start thinking about it and trying to, to do what pleases Jesus and live out his kingdom life, you're probably going to fail. It's it, because physiological things are happening <laughs> that are, that are like, going to be very strong and powerful. It becomes reactionary. You need to yeah. train yourself ahead of time, even, and, and, you know, I think um, I'll just kind of share something for me, like that happened at the collective. Like I, um, we, you know, we were talking about these hot topics and I knew that it was going to get emotional. I, and I knew that I was going to like get all riled up. And I, um, 
I did at one point in one of the small group breakouts, you know, so much so that I had to like go apologize to somebody, you know, but, but I was like, even though I knew that I would, that it was going to happen and I was trying to gear up and prepare myself for it, I still like blew it, you know, but, but it was cool because then, then I was like, okay, there was, you know, mercy and grace given and forgiveness. And then it was like, okay, well, let me gear up again. Cause it's going to happen again, you know? <laughs> and, and it was cool. Like I was able to, I was able to like, by, by the grace of God, um, have a different reaction when, when the buttons got pushed, you know? Yep. And so it just takes practice. It takes practice, intentionality. We have to think ahead. We have to, to kind of imagine how am I going to be reviled and challenged and, mm. and threatened and, and, and prepare for it ahead of time. Good. Yeah, I just want to say on that point, like God has crafted us all uniquely and differently for his purposes. And this issue of like anger and like our tempers, that's just different for everybody, you know? Right. So like Charlie's response to something might be totally different than mine. One of us might be slower than the other to anger in a situation, which is totally fine. You know, it's not a comparison between, oh, like Tim Barley never gets angry. He's so holy and I'm not, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's just evaluate that. Am I doing that process of coming before the Lord and asking him to grow my heart? Because if you are, then dude, just keep doing what you're doing. Which this reminds me, as I was just talking to in the horn about First Peter 4, it wraps up that whole section about the fiery trials and how we're using that to, to glorify Christ and why that should be okay and welcomed in your heart. In the end, I just love that simple summary statement of, therefore, as you're suffering, dude, just continue entrusting yourself to a faithful creator and keep doing good. Period. End of that chapter. <laughs> And I just love that mentality of like, you don't have to worry about if you are doing the, what would please Jesus? You are beholding your King daily. You are welcoming God and the Holy Spirit to invite your heart. Just keep doing it. Keep doing good. And God will be faithful to lead you in, in with specific directions in your life. It's good. It's good. I mean, that's a good place to end. Agreed. Charlie gives a thumbs up. So... I feel like, can we give a double? Can we do two? Th- Whoa, for Four those thumbs up. for those that it cannot see, we have we have double, double thumbs up. Can we go triple double? We can. we got a triple double yes. thumbs up. All, all three of us have both of our. Hold on, big toes. I'm oh, just kidding. Man, stop. Oh God. my gosh. Okay, y'all. That's Love you guys. The, that's the charge. Entrust yourself to your faithful Creator and keep doing good, y'all. We love you guys. Hope to see you this week. Uh, as excitingly at the Crossing Canvas, you'll be digging into. Daniel 9, a very uh, non-disputed part of scripture, <laughs> and then we'll be in Daniel 10 at, at the Altamont. See you guys there, and see you next week for Behold. Sounds fun. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.